And so uh, we are in the fourth uh, week of our Advent celebration. Every year at Christmas, our Christmas series is called Advent. Advent uh, has been celebrated by churches for centuries uh, because Advent is a word that means coming or arrival. And at Advent, we celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. We also look forward to his return, right? His second uh, coming when he returns. And so uh, to the church for centuries has celebrated Advent as we focus on Christmas. And, and, and we have, what we've done is we've spent this week focusing on, or, or this month, the, the hope uh, the hope candle. We've got four candles that are, that are burning now. One is the hope candle. We talked about the prophecies uh, that gave hope uh, in a dark world, right? And we have hope today because of Jesus. We talked about the joy candle. Uh, we can have joy. We, we can be happy, but happiness is fleeting. Happiness comes. Happiness goes. You might, even non-people who don't follow Jesus can be happy, but happiness comes and goes. It's circumstantial, but joy is confidence, right? It's, it's eternal confidence. And so you can have joy, and when you have joy, uh, you know, it's lasting, right? Then we had the peace candle. Man, our, our world is not in peace, right? Our world is chaos, and we got wars and all those kind of things going on all over, uh, but uh, there's not peace in our hearts we can turn around and see. Jesus is the prince of peace, and we celebrate that. Today, we're zooming in on the fourth candle, which is the love candle. And we're going to talk about how Christmas reveals the love of God, how Christmas is the greatest picture of the love of God, probably. I mean, in the fact that he gave his son, right? He gave us the, the gift of his son. Now, now, we're at that time of Christmas, right, at your house, at my house, that you're probably, decorations are up, I hope, your tree's up. I mean, at this point, if it's not, man, it's sort of almost too late, right? But your tree's probably up, your gifts, as you get your gifts and you're wrapping your gifts, and, you know, it's sort of customary to put your gifts under your tree and all that kind of stuff. And that's probably going on at your house. And if you've got kids, what happens is you start putting those gifts under the trees, and, man, it just sort of tortures the kids, right? They just stand there and look, and they stare, and they wonder, and they try to figure out, you remember when you were a kid, they try to figure out how I can sneak a peek, right? How I can tear open the end a little bit. I mean, I just like to take one maybe and hold it up and say, hey, Isaiah, this is for you. Wonder what it is. I like to torture my kids that way, right? You won't know for a week, uh, but uh, look at it every time you walk by. I like to torture my kids. But, you know, that gift, is, gift giving is so much a part of Christmas. I mean, we're sort of consumed with it right now. You're probably consumed with making your list and checking it twice so that you don't leave, so that no one, for, you don't forget anyone or making sure no one forgets you, right? I mean, we are fighting crowds and stiff-arming grannies for that perfect Christmas gift, right? I mean, gift-giving is so important to us. And I mean, a, a lot of people right now, all of our kids, man, they're jacked up about Santa Claus. And some, some adults are jacked up about Santa Claus. And if you're an adult jacked up about Santa Claus, then we're starting a remedial worship service after Christmas. You come and be a part of that service, all right? As, as a matter of fact, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I read this this week. It says, if you see a fat man who's jolly and cute with a long white beard and a red flannel suit flying in a sleigh with eight reindeer pulling him along, then your eggnog is probably too strong, right? So <laughs> Santa might or might not be coming to your house. Santa doesn't come to the hood household. Not because I, I've got a problem with Santa Claus. He didn't come to the hood household because he ain't getting the credit for what I buy, Okay. I mean, like Nathaniel Hale is our business administrator, right? He's over our finances. He's so tight that his, he's got th three girls, one, uh, you know, who is 16 now almost and then two twin girls, and man, forever. They just knew Santa was coming and, and, and real in there. Why? Because they said, Dad, there's, we, we know Santa's real because there's no way you're going to spring for all this cash, right? 
Listen, Santa's not getting the cred for what I buy. I want people to know, hey, buddy, I bought you that, right? I mean, and so, so uh, but, you know, gift giving is a huge part of Christmas, and, and, and we give gifts, we get gifts. But the problem with that is, or a problem with that is, oh, it's great, but we can begin to do it as tradition almost. It's sort of like you might get together with your family at a certain time. Maybe Christmas Eve is your time. Maybe Christmas morning is your time. Maybe you do a breakfast. Maybe you got traditions. Gift giving is, has almost become like a tradition, you know, to where we give them without even thinking about why we're giving them. And this Christmas, what I want you to do is when you're giving and getting gifts is I want you to stop and I want you to think about why we're doing this. Okay, why are we getting gifts? We get gifts, we give gifts because God gave his son. God gave his son, the greatest picture of the love of God, God giving his son. We, today we're gonna look, at, and that's what we do on Christmas Eve at my house, I'm sorry, Christmas morning. Uh, on Christmas morning, we will, uh, uh, we typically on Christmas Eve, man, we, you know, we do the Christmas Eve uh, here services, and then we go home, and, and, and sometimes our staff will get together, some of our staff here will get together on Christmas Eve. Uh, this year, we're, 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 we're going to do here on Sunday morning, and then we'll do a Christmas Eve thing. We'll get up on Sunday morning, Easter morning, Easter morning, Christmas morning. We'll get up on Christmas morning. My eggnog's too strong already this morning, my coffee. Uh, we'll get up on, on Christmas morning, and we always do our gifts. All, my, all of my kids will be there, my daughter-in-law, my, you know, uh, all of my kids will be there, and, and, and grandkids, and, and man, we'll, we'll, uh, uh, we'll get together, and when we get together, we open gifts, obviously. And when we open gifts, but before we do, we tear open those gifts, we stop, and I say, okay, kids, why are we doing this? Why, why are you getting gifts today? You don't just get gifts on Christmas because somebody thought, that's a great idea. We get gifts on Christmas, and, we, and then we read the Christmas story. It's in Luke 2, and then we talk about, you're getting a gift today because it's a symbol of God giving his son. And we want to focus on that. And it's also a symbol of, of a story. Part of the Christmas story is found in Matthew chapter 2. That's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 2. Verses 1 through 11, because Matthew's story reveals uh, how the wise men, you've heard of the wise men, how the wise men came and brought gifts to Jesus. And so let's read that story today uh, in Matthew chapter uh, uh, 2, verses 1 through 11. Let's read that story and begin to uh, think about the wise men. You've heard this even if you've never cracked open a Bible. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Now, I love this because the Bible, Luke and Matthew both, they're not telling this story as some, you know, in a land a long, long ago and a, and a land far away. This is not like some fairy tale that, you know, I mean, it doesn't, it's, it gives a historical context, right? I mean, you've got the census taken in Luke. You've got the time of Herod. and It tells when Quirinius was governor in Luke. There's historical context. This is a real story that really happened, okay? And so, so um, in, the, in the town of Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. They were not Jews, okay, which is very important. This is not Jewish, uh, not a Jewish thing. Saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was greatly tro he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ, the Christ. Now, Christ was not Jesus' last name, right? Christ uh, means Messiah or Savior. So when you hear Jesus Christ, it's Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Savior. So where the Christ, the Savior, the Messiah was to be born. 
They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. We looked at the prophecies during the hope candle. <coughs> Excuse me. And you, O Bethlehem, <coughs> the land of Judah, are by no means <coughs> least, I'm sorry, least among the rulers of, of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that, had seen, that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Very familiar story. You've heard it if you've never even cracked open a Bible, right? The story of the three wise men. And I say three, we'll talk about that. But the story of the wise men. Now remember, this story didn't happen on Christmas night. It wasn't the first Noel when the wise men showed up. You know, we talked about if you've got the wise men in your nativity, they were not there on Christmas night. Put them on the other side of the room, making their way, because most scholars and theologians believe that this took place about two years after the birth of Jesus. Jesus and Mary and Joseph have fled to Egypt. They're already back. They're in a house. They're not in a, in a manger, in a cave. This is about two years post the birth of Jesus. The wise men show up, right? And they show up to worship and give gifts. Gift giving is a huge part of worship. Now, when you give gifts to your children or when your children give gifts to you, you're not worshiping your kids, hopefully. They're not worshiping you, but we give gifts to God. G giving is a huge part of worship. We give because we worship Christ, right? We give our money, we give our time, we give our talents. The wise men come and they give these gifts to Jesus. Now, today, uh, I want you to know that uh, that there are probably three young men or women under the age of 13, uh, under the age of 18, I'm sorry, three students, young people under the age of, uh, of 18 that are going to be POTUS one day. Think about that. I mean, you look around at all of our students, and one of them could be POTUS one day, President of the United States, right? But there are probably three under the age of 18 that will be POTUS. No one's searching for them right now. We don't know who they are. Right? I mean, it could be someone here. It could be someone in California. It could be no one searching to honor them that we don't know who they are and we really don't even think about it. But that's exactly what the wise men did. Right? They go and find this baby that's just been born and they bow down to him and worship him because he is not just a king. He is already appointed but not yet anointed the king of all kings. Right? And so, so the wise men go, and we, in your nativity set, probably, if you've got one, or, uh, you know, there's probably three wise men. We, we always think of three when we think of wise men. Well, the three wise men, right? I mean, they're sort of in the, uh, in, in lumped in with all the other famous trios. You know, you got famous trios like, for instance, Larry Curly Moe, right? You've got Larry Curly Moe. If you're a Trekkie, you've got Spock, Kirk, and Bones, right? I mean, man, if you're that, if, if you're of the generation of me, you got the BGs. You know, remember the BGs, and I, I mean, or you've got the Three Musketeers, and you got the Three Wise Men, right? We think of three, and it's a it's a mythological number. They were real people, but the number three is just out there. Why do we get three? We get three because they brought three gifts. 
But that don't mean there were three. That doesn't mean there were three. They could have been, there could have been 15 wise men. Three bought gold, three brought frankincense, and three brought myrrh, right? There could have been 20. There could have been three. There could have been, we don't know how many they were. But what we do know is they came and they present, so they worshiped. Part of their worship is giving. And they gave gifts to Jesus and to Mary and to Joseph that were very symbolic and had a lot of meaning. It wasn't just that, well, we got some gold. Give them some gold. You know, it wasn't a thoughtless gift. Each of these gifts were very valuable, and each of these gifts were very symbolic and foreshadowed who Jesus was. Okay, for instance, the frankincense. Frankincense is a resin that, 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 that you produce incense. I mean, you know, some of you are hipsters today, but some of you were hippie before hipster was cool, right? And you probably burned some incense, you know. You probably smoked some incense in your house, right? In, in, your, in your VW van, right, if you're Woodstocky. So, so you, you, but you know about the incense. Well, I don't know in the Jewish worship if you know this, but incense is very important to the Jewish worship. And so frankincense is this resin where they made incense and they burned it. It was smoked in worship. It was smoked. It was burned in worship, right? It wasn't smoked in worship. It was burned in worship. And so, but here, so here's what you have. You have them bringing this gift of, 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 of incense to be used in worship and couple that with the fact that they were wise men from the east. They weren't Jews. All of that says, listen, people from every nation, every tribe, every language is going to bow down and worship this baby. People from all over. It's not a Jewish thing, right? I mean, these wise men were pagan idol worshipers. They weren't religious people. They're going to bow down. People from all over the world is going to bow down and worship. That's what the frankincense represented. So it wasn't just a, okay, cool, we got some frankincense. No, there was meaning behind this. They brought gold. Gold was symbol, symbolic of the king, right? I mean, gold was fitting for a king. They were saying that this is the king, not just the king of a country. He is the king of all kings, right? They brought myrrh. Myrrh was also this balm that they used and Today, you know, when, when someone dies, what we do is, is a typical uh, burial form is, I mean, you got cremation and all that, but if not cremation, then we, we embalm, right? Well, they didn't embalm 2,000 years ago to preserve a body and, and all that kind of stuff to have a funeral. They buried quickly because they didn't do any of that. They buried quickly, but before they did, they would, that's what they, the women were doing at the tomb when Jesus, uh, on, on, on Good Friday, when he was murdered on Friday, they were to prepare his body for burial. They would put this ointments and these oils on his body to keep down the stench, basically. And myrrh was the ointment, the, the balm that they would put on the body to keep down the stench. And, and so that was, it wasn't just like, oh, here's some, some myrrh. No, it was symbolic of the fact that this baby will be the king of kings, but he will die, right? He will die. And so all these uh, were very symbolic of Jesus and, and, and what he would be doing and how he would, how he would be the Messiah and the Redeemer. But, but also, uh, they were not only just symbolic and foreshadowing, they were greatly needed. Mary and Joseph were poor, right? Mary and Joseph were very poor, and they were in Bethlehem. And as we know from, now we know the, the rest of the story, and as we know Herod, he would try to kill uh, uh, Jesus, and so he killed all the babies, thousands of babies born, uh, you know, to, to try to kill Jesus because he was threatened by Jesus. And so, the, but the Lord told them to escape to Egypt, so they had to travel, and they had to have a place to stay, and they had to, so all these gifts were providentially provided by God, very expensive gold, very expensive frankincense, very expensive myrrh, so that they could use this, this money that this would generate to travel to escape to Egypt. God provided everything they needed, just as God provides for his children. 
So these gifts were foreshadows. They were of who Jesus was. They were symbolic. But folks, listen, they were also very much needed. Now, I don't know about you, but man, I think some of the greatest gifts that to give are a gift that's needed, don't you? Now, I say that, and some of you go, yeah, that makes sense, but really that's not what our wives want, guys, okay? They don't necessarily want a gift that they need. Let me give you an example, okay, of myself, because I was young and dumb once too, young and stupid. We were just married. We hadn't been married long at all, and man, we didn't, it was Amy's birthday, and we didn't have two dimes to rub together, okay? I mean, man, we were so poor that we were eating cereal with a fork to save the milk, right? I mean, you know, we all got a Gmail account just so we could eat the spam. I mean, man, we were, we were poor, right? I mean, we, we didn't have anything, okay? And man, Amy needed a car battery, it's her birthday. I got her a car battery for her birthday because that's what she needed. I thought it was ingenious. <laughs> Amy thought it was brainless. I ended up not only getting her a car battery, but then going back and getting her something else. I mean, listen, you know, so we think sometimes, guys, listen, if your wife needs a blender, get her a blender, but maybe not for Christmas, okay? I mean, get her something that's just because, you're right? And, and, and so that, that might not be the best gift, but let me tell you something. The gift that God gave on Christmas, that first Noel, was the greatest gift in the world. Why? Because it was the thing we needed more than anything else. He gave Jesus and, and, and it, we didn't necessarily want Jesus, but he gave Jesus because we needed Jesus, right? He gave Jesus because we needed Jesus, because we could never bridge the gap between us and God. We could never cross the chasm caused by the sin. That's what Jesus did, and that's why God gave us the greatest gift ever. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the prophet writes, this is part of the hope candle, right? This is why we have, for to us, a child is born. He's writing 700 years before Jesus is born as if it has happened in present tense, which was a, a prophetic way of saying it's guaranteed to happen. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. To us, a child is born. A son is given. A son is given. God gave you the greatest gift ever. He gave the greatest gift ever to the world. That's how much he loves you. Although you didn't want him, although we in our rebellion did not want him, we needed him, and he gave the world. That is a great picture, the greatest picture of the love of God. As a matter of fact, one of the greatest verses, Christmas passages ever, is John 3.16. You never think of this verse as a Christmas passage because we use it all year. I mean, we don't use, you know, we, we just talked about a, a, a verse from Isaiah chapter 9. Very Christmas passage. We use it at Christmas. Rarely do we use it in January. Rarely do we use it in June. I mean, we can, the Bible, you know, but, but we use it at Christmas. John 3.16, man, it's, it's, we think of it as being the most famous verse in the Bible, but not necessarily a Christmas passage. It's the greatest Christmas passage there is. I mean, because it's, it's, it's what Christmas is about. For God so loved the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? To us, a son is given. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah 700 years earlier, that whoever believes in him should not perish. Whoever believes, that means, listen, it doesn't matter where you've been. This is, this is not for the religious elite. It's not that God so loved the world, God so loved the church, or God so loved the religious people that he gave his son that whoever does good things 
God loves, you know, the, the, the stately. God loves the people who are good. God loves the people. God loves the world. That whoever, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you believe in him, you should not perish but have eternal life. It doesn't matter if you're Jewish or American or African or Australian or Asian. It doesn't matter if you're religious or pay. It doesn't matter whoever believes in him. That's the greatest news ever. That's why this is the greatest Christmas passage, right? Because God loves the world. And that was his motivation. His motivation wasn't, well, they've deserved it. Okay, I, they're, they're working hard. And Adam and Eve, you know, they did build those, those uh, loincloths with those uh, leaves. And man, they're trying, right? I mean, they're, they're trying. Well, he, look at him. He helped that old man across the street. I mean, man, he gave me a 10 spot last year for Christmas through a $10 bill on the offering plate. I mean, how, how, man, they're trying. That wasn't why God did it. God didn't do it because we're trying. God didn't do it because we had earned it. God didn't do it because he was obligated. He didn't do it begrudgingly to clean up the mess we've made. Look at what you've done. Now I've got to clean it up. That's not why God gave his son. Why? Because he loved the world. Because of his incredible love. That's why we're focusing on the love candle, right? He gave his son. Now I want you to think about the gifts that you're going to get or whatever gifts that you've gotten in your lifetime. Think about the gifts. You have, this, you have these gifts that you've gotten, and man, uh, throughout your life, maybe it was Christmas, maybe it was your birthday, right? Maybe it was, it was just uh, 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 something that someone got you. you man, if you think about those gifts, and what made those gifts memorable to you? What caused them to mark you, right? What caused them to mark you? I mean, man, it, it doesn't have anything to do with how much the gift costs, to be quite honest with you. I mean, it doesn't have anything to do. Man, I, 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 I've gotten gifts. I mean, Amy, the greatest gifts Amy have, has given me, and Amy always, Amy's much better at gift giving than me, right? I mean, I'm like, I don't know what to get her. I mean, I don't listen. She says, you don't listen. I've said all this stuff I want. And I'm like, well, I wasn't thinking about gifts. I'm like, well, there's a football game on, you know? And, 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 but, you know, she's a, she gets stuff, and I'm like, how did you know I wanted that? Well, I just listened to you. Right? And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, can you sort of send me a note, write it down, and send it to me? What some good things to get? She's a much better gift giver, but she just she gets me gifts, and it's not just like at Christmas and birthday. She'll bring me something. I'm like, wow, man. I mean, th those those speak value to me, right? And, and, and so, I mean, I, I I've got I got a gift this year. I, you know, I like I got a shotgun for a gift this year. I mean, it was awesome. I'm like, I, why? Because I deserve it. No, I, I didn't deserve it. It was just a gift. It's like, man, it's a friend. Somebody's like, whoa, what that communicate, right? It communicated, man, I, I value you, right? So think about your gifts. What are those gifts that are very valuable to you? Think about those gifts, all right? Now, you don't like necessarily to give a gift if you feel obligated to give that gift, right? I mean, man, you bring me a gift, and I'm like, oh, man, I gotta get them something. Right? That, that's not the kind of gift that, that you just absolutely love to give, right? I mean, you know, I mean, think about, uh, you know, if, 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 if someone deserves it, right? I mean, you think, well, I got to get them something because, you know, you, you get your kid, man, and you make straight A's and I'll get you this. I mean, you're glad they made straight A's, but you're obligated to give the gift, right? Well, see, none of those things are, are, are really what gives the value. So think about it, okay? Now, it's not the cost of the gift, all right? It's not necessarily the monetary value. I mean, think about it. If I, if I don't like you, then I'm probably not going to spend a lot on you if I have to get you a gift, right? I'm going I'm to go on the cheap, right? But if I do like you, then that doesn't mean I'm going to break a bank either, right? It's not the monetary value, but what is it? It's the sacrifice. It's the amount of inconvenience, that gift. I mean, it's the thought, right? Now, I want you to understand the sacrifice of the gift of God when he gave us his son. 
I mean, God owns all the money in the world. God didn't give us money. It w- that wouldn't have been a sign. It's all his, right? He, 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 didn't, he could have given us the money in the world. He could have given us. But what did he give us? He gave us what we needed the most. He, and he sacri- at the sacrifice of the life of his son. At the sacrifice of the life. Of, he didn't give his son born, you know, on, in Bethlehem on Christmas night so that we could dote over him, make much of him, bow down, worship him as king, all this, you know, crown him, and then he'd just go back to heaven. No, he gave his son to be mocked, to be betrayed, to be ridiculed, to be spit upon, to be beaten, murdered, dead, the sacrifice, the pain, but he gave you his son. Now, I, 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 to, to, to literally redeem you from what you couldn't redeem yourself from. Ultimate sacrifice. And he didn't do it because we deserve it. We didn't deserve that gift. Matter of fact, uh, we didn't even want the gift. We were rebels. Our hearts were so rebellious, we didn't even want that gift. Right? We wanted to continue doing our own thing. Right? But we didn't deserve it. God didn't give, give us Jesus because we're so good. He gave us Jesus even though we were so bad. He gave us Jesus because he's so good even though we were so bad, right? When we didn't deserve it, now you think about it, man. If, if, if you had something happen and then you're rushed to the hospital and, that sur- and a surgeon performs surgery and, man, saves your life and you're like, man, I, I want to get this dude something because he saved my life. I mean, that's good. That shows appreciation, Right? But let's say you go out and someone attacks you, sends you to the hospital, and you're the reason uh, that, that, that the doctor has to save your life. And you turn around and get the person who attacked you a gift. You're thinking, that'd be stupid, that'd be crazy, right? I, 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 why would I get the person who attacked me a gift? That's exactly what God did to us. Isn't that amazing? I mean, God didn't give us a gift because, man, we did something amazing for him. He gave us the gift, although we had attacked his character. We had attacked him. We had rebelled against him. We had offended him. Isn't that amazing to think about? He gave us a gift we did not deserve. He was not obligated to. He didn't give it because he was lonely. God was completely satisfied. He gave it because of why? His amazing love for his creation and for those whom he would redeem. He gave it because he loves you. What an amazing picture. Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners. I, you know why I love this passage? Because, man, people who think it's about religion, God showed his love for you before you, before you knew him. God's love for you. God just doesn't, he, he didn't start loving you when you said, yes, Jesus. Okay, man, I I love this. No, he showed his love for you when you were spitting in his face. Why? By sending Jesus to die for you. Right? He showed his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Right? That's that's why we're focusing upon the love candle. Because God, his love, one of the greatest pictures of his love is the fact of God sending his son. He loved us in spite of us. Not because of us in spite of us, not because we were good, but because he's good, even when we're bad. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. He wasn't backed into a corner. He, he, he gave Jesus, uh, even in spite of our rebellion, he didn't give us Jesus because he felt obligated. He gave us Jesus even though we deserved a punch in the cut, really, right? I mean, that's what he gave us. He didn't give us Jesus uh, uh, because he needed us, but because he loved us. The sending of his son was his idea and was his plan from the beginning of time. Why? Because of his amazing 
incredible love. That's why we light the love candle. That's why we want you to focus upon with your kids and help your kids to understand when you're opening gifts. Do you know why we get these gifts? Do you know why I got you this gift? I didn't get you this gift because, you know, I, you know, I, I wrote it down and better be good, you better be nice, right? And I, I, you, didn't, you don't deserve the gift. It's not why I gave it to you. I didn't give it to you just because, man, I wanted to make you happy. I gave it to you because as a symbol that God gave his son, I want you to always remember that. God gave his son. God gave his son to die so that you can have life. That's an amazing thing. First John chapter 3, verse 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. I'm just going to stop there. See what kind of love the Father has given to us? He loves us. He loves God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Man, that's a great Christmas passage. That's why we focus upon the, Christmas, the, uh, the love candle at Christmas. And so what I want you to do at Christmas, this might be really, to be quite honest with you, Christmas is, man, I play Christmas music. I love it. I know some people don't like it. I love it. Man, I play it all year. I mean, not all year. I play it all month. And, and, and man, I, I, I'm, I'm playing Christmas music, and I love it. I love the memories of Christmas, you know, with family. And all. I love all that. But you know what? I, here's what I know. I know that Christmas is beautiful and great and brings back a lot of good memories for a lot of people. But I also know that Christmas can be lonely for a lot of people. I know Christmas is sort of sad. Some of you, man, you, this might be your first Christmas without someone that's very important to you in your life. And that's a very sad time. And it brings back memories, but it's also a sad time, man. And, and it could be a lonely time for, for some of you. And, and what I want you to understand during this time, I want you in the middle of the hustle bustle and if it's all party and all that for you and, man, we've all been doing that, don't forget how much God loves you. But if it's a sad time, if it's a lonely time, man, you just need to lean in and remember God loves me. That's why we're celebrating Christmas. God loves me. Now, I want you to notice some things about this passage. I want you to notice some things about this passage that I read. I want to pull out a few other things, okay? Man, God loved you enough to send his son. Even when you didn't deserve it, even when you didn't want it, when you didn't want Jesus, you wanted to live your own life. We were, our hearts were rebellious. God loved you enough to send his son to die your death so that you could be redeemed. That's what Jesus is all about. But you know what? Even though God sent his son, we still didn't run to him. He was sent to his own and his own rejected him, remember? We still didn't run to him because we didn't want him. So God loved us so much that he sent his son, and then when we rejected him, you know what he did? He went, he went further, and he begins to draw us to him. That's what the conviction is of the Holy Spirit. And we see a symbol of that in this passage. You see these wise men. What began to draw the wise men to Jesus? What, what, what's in the story that drew the wise men? What, the story in, in the story that drew the wise men, a star, right? They followed the star. Now, what do you think that star was? I know that some people say, well, it had to be a supernova. It had to be this. It had to be this, you know. And, and I don't think it was, I don't think it was a, a, a natural phenomenon at all. You know, I, I mean, here's the thing about science in the Bible. They do not contradict each other because God made science, right? They don't contradict each other at all. But I don't think everything in the Bible can be explained with science either, right? It's called a miracle. If it can be explained with science, it's not a miracle, right? So I, I, here's what I think. I don't think the star that guided the wise men to Jesus, and by the way, they probably lived I mean, scholars believe perhaps maybe 800 miles uh, from where Bethlehem. And so it would have taken, uh, I mean, a good month and a half for them to get there with a caravan of people. Uh, and, and they were guided along the way by a star, it says. 
Again, I don't think it was a, a natural phenomenon. I don't think it was a supernova. I think it was supernatural. I think it was a miracle. I think it was an angel. I think it was something because it was guiding specifically this group of people. It was, we, don't, we don't see anywhere that it was guiding, you know. I mean, everyone around them saw the stars. As a matter of fact, when they come, they had to tell Herod. That, so there was, an, there was a star that was guiding this specific group of people. So I don't think it was supernatural. Uh, I think it was supernatural. Whether it was an angel uh, or whether God was specifically put something to guide this specific group of people. So what I, what, I, what I want you to understand is what we see here is God himself is drawing these wise men to the manger. God loves you so much that not only did he send his son a gift that you need, but that you don't deserve, but he also brings his conviction that draws you into himself. Right? He, 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 he brings his conviction, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I, I, I want you to think back. If you're a believer, if you're, if you're a Christian, I, I want you to think back at Christmas. I want you to think back this time. And I want you to remember, maybe think back and say, you know what? The Holy Spirit convicted me. And I remember that, and he used some people in my life to do it. And I, I think of those people sometimes as the stars that God used to draw you to himself. You know, they're not stars, it's like all stars or anything like that, they're just normal. But they are what, in this scenario, they're the, they're the light that God used to draw you to himself. Who are those people? If you think back in your life, I can think back in my life before I was a Christian, and man, some of the people that God put in my path that pointed me to the Savior, that's what I'm talking about. Who are those people? Who are those people that God just put in your path and all of a sudden, you know, you begin to, he, they begin to point you to, them, to the Savior. Man, if you've got those people, and I know you do, that were, maybe it was your mama, your grandmama, maybe it was a friend at work, a friend at school, so maybe a friend invited you, some of you, a friend invited you, you know, to Wednesday night if you're a teenager, and man, they invited you, or, or, or maybe, you know, we got folks, and man, they invited, maybe it was, who, who was it? Man, I, I, would, I would encourage you. Man, to, to never forget that and to never let them forget. Every now and then, I would encourage you at Christmas time to write them, uh, you know, send them a text message, send them a Facebook message, or better yet, do the old dinosaur, the fashion, old-fashioned dinosaur, write a card and send it to them, right? I mean, tell them, man, you were something that God, you were a person that God used in my life, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that, right? Now, if you are a Christian, I want you to also now think about are you a star that's guiding someone to Jesus? Are you a star? Are you a light that's pointing someone to Jesus? You're not perfect. Man, you're not perfect, but are you guiding? Are you pointing someone to Jesus? This star, I, like I said, I don't think it was supernatural. I think it was whether it's an angel or whatever. But today, angels are created beings, right? They're not, they're not people. When you die, you're not going to be an angel, okay? Don't, 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 don't speak in that language. Well, he's an angel now. He, no, he's not an angel, all right? You're not an angel when you die. Uh, so there was an angel. So you're not going to be an angel. You're not going to be a superstar. But God has chosen you and if he's chosen you to, to save you, then he's, he's chosen you to represent him, right? If God has saved you, he saved you to send you. He redeemed you to represent. Who are you pointing to Jesus? Last week I asked you to write down three people that you know who do not know Jesus. I hope you know three people that don't know Jesus if you're a Christian. If you don't, you need to get out more, right? You, you, need, to go, you need to get out and have some friends that aren't Christian. Right? And so I asked you to write down three people. Some of you did that. Some of you not yet. And if you haven't yet, man, I, I, I'm hoping that God awakens that within your heart, okay, to do it now. 
All right, and, and I told you last week, we're going to pray for you, and we're going to do that in just a moment. We're going to partner with you in praying for these people. But if you weren't here last week and you didn't watch, I want you to write down three people that you know who do not know Jesus. They're not followers of Christ, Christians, however you want to say it. They don't know Jesus. Write them down, and every day, mention them by name, and you pray for them that God would open their eyes that God would convict them, that the Holy Spirit would place his conviction upon them to draw them unto himself. You pray for them every day. Ask God to help you to know how you can be a part of that process. Every day pray for them. And here's what I know. Man, when you're praying for them and you realize that God, uh, you know, uses your prayers and you realize that, that, man, God begins to save these people, here's what I know is going to happen. That, that, that'll bring revival within our church. Because you will get so excited because you'll see God moving and then that'll be you and you and you and there'll be people and they'll be, man, it's amazing and God will do so much in your life. And so pray for these people, right? And pray how you can be a star in their life, how you can be a guiding force to point them to Jesus Christ. Pray for them, all right? And, and we're gonna do that in just a moment. But before we do, I want you to notice there are two responses in this story. There's two responses and you're gonna, you, you have already or you will have one of these two responses. There's the response of Herod and there's the response of the wise men. Herod's response was cold-hearted rejection of Jesus Christ. Herod's response was no, right? The wise men show up and say, Who, where is this king of the Jews? We've seen his star and we've come to worship him. Herod got livid because he was threatened because Herod was king. Herod was an evil king. Herod was an evil king. Herod had killed his, some of his wives. He killed some sons of his. He killed anyone whom he felt threatened his throne. If you're, if you're a competition for my throne, I'm killing you before you can take my throne. I do not want to step off of my throne. I do not want to give up control of the kingdom. Well, none of you are kings of, your, of, of, a, of a country, okay? But you do sit on the throne of your life before Jesus Christ. And some of you, man, in order for you to surrender to Jesus, you have to step off of that throne. Not some of you, everyone. For, for you to surrender to Jesus, you have to step off of the throne, take off the crown, put the crown on Jesus. He has to sit on the throne of your heart and your life, and you have to bow down and worship him, and he is the sovereign over your life. Many, many people, most people don't do that in our world. Why? Because they do not want to give up the sovereign control of their life and their mind. They don't want to give up the reins. They want to make their decisions. They want to live for their goals, their dreams, their ambitions. They want to do it their way, right? I, I, want, to do it, I want to do it my way. And they're like Herod. And they say, man, I'm not giving up control. And that was Herod's response. And man, Herod died a very painful disease. His body was disease riddled. He died a very painful, lonely life. And today, listen, 2,000 years later, Herod uh, is not with heaven. Uh, Herod, if he could be before you today, he would say, do not respond to Jesus like I responded to Jesus. Wrong response. But that's the response of most of the world. Is that your response? The other response we see is the wise men. The wise men were the least people you would expect to follow Jesus. Man, they were from the east. Man, they may have been, uh, you know, worshipped astronomy. I mean, they were pagan idol worshipers. I mean, they're not the people you would expect would be coming to Jesus. You'd expect, man, the religious elite is just six miles to the north of us in Bethlehem, in Jerusalem. The religion, they're going to be the ones that come, right? The priest, the high priest, they're going to, the good, they're going to be the ones that show up. No, who was it? It wasn't the religious elite. It wasn't good Jewish scholars. It wasn't Jews at all. Who was it? 
It was, it was pagan idol worshiper Gentiles. That's who it was. They showed up, the least likely people that God drew, and they surrendered. They gave their gifts, bowed down to him, and worshiped him. That's the response that says, listen, this is for all people of all nations, of all tribes, of all languages. It's not a Jewish thing. It's not a good thing. It's not a, it's not a religious thing. It's for all people of all nations, of all tribes, no matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. It's for you. That's the love of God. Will you surrender to Jesus today? If you've not, which response will you have? If not, which response will you have? And right now, here's what we're going to do. I, I want to pray for you as Travis and, and, and our band comes out. I, I want to pray for you. And here's what we're going to do. This is our response time. You've heard the word, right? We, we've heard the word. We focused on the love candle and hopefully learned some things about the wise men. And we respond to that. Some of you hopefully will respond by saying, you know what? I, man, I, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to bow down and worship him. Come back and talk to us. We'll help you with that. So maybe you have already, and maybe the Holy Spirit's convicting you. Man, I haven't been a light that's guiding anyone to Jesus. Maybe you need to repent of that. Maybe you need to confess that. Maybe you need to write some people down. I mean, you maybe pray, God, give me three people to write down. You respond however God has led you to respond. God loves you so much that he not only sent your, his son to die your death, but he loves you so much that he drew you to him when you were rebelling against him. Man, that's, that's cause for worship and celebration. Some of you just need to respond by worship. Okay, so you respond however God has led you to respond during this time. I'm going to pray for you, and here's what I want to do. I want to pray for the people specifically that you've written down. I don't know their names, but God does. God knows the people that you've written down. That you're, I want to partner with you. I want us to partner with you because I want to see God do something amazing in those people's lives, like bring them salvation. And I want to see you absolutely grow in your faith so amazingly because you see God do some crazy good stuff. And I want to see what that happens in our church. I want to partner with you. I want to partner with you. And so we're going to pray for the, next, for, for the next while. I don't know how long. We're going to pray that God saves these people. So if you don't have someone written down yet, write them down now. Write them down today. Write them down in the morning. Write these people down and ask God to save their souls, would you? And, and, and how you can be a light that draws them to him. Let's pray and you respond however God leads you. Father, we love you. I thank you for your grace, God. I start out my prayers by thanking you for your grace because God, Lord, I'm a grace addict. God, I need your grace because I, 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 I'm saved by your grace, but God, I need to live by your grace. It's the only way I can live, and I need it every day. God, and I'm grateful for your grace. God, thank you that you didn't save me because I'm good because then I would have never been saved. You saved me because you're good even when I'm bad. Thank you for that kind of grace. Thank you that when you have forgiven every sin I, will, I have ever committed and ever will commit, Thank you for that grace. And God, I pray that I would be motivated and the people of this church would be motivated by that kind of grace and by that kind of love that you have, that we would be motivated to live on mission with you. Lord, that we know you're going to build your kingdom. We don't build your kingdom. You are. Help us to be a part of that and see you bring so many people that's in our lives into your kingdom. God, I pray that people have written down three people. God, I pray that if they haven't written down three people, that they would do so today. And God, that they would begin to pray for these three people. On this list, God, I know that some of them's mamas are on that list, and some of them's daddy, some of them's children, some of them's siblings. Maybe it's their best friend. Maybe it's their child's wife or husband. 
Maybe it's a coworker, classmate, neighbor. God, I, I know that, they, that, they, that there's all kinds of people on this list, and I want to join with them right now, partner with them in asking that you bring salvation to these people. God, do something in their hearts, do something in their souls, do something in their minds to awaken them to who you are. You love the world so much that you gave your son, your only son. But God, even when you did that, we still rejected. You came to your own and your own did not receive you, did not know you. God, we rejected you. We rebelled against you. God, you loved us so much that you chased us. God, I pray that today, I pray that today you would save people in this room. And I pray that that kind of love would motivate us, God, to be a light that points people to you. God, I pray that you would do something amazing in the lives of the people that's on the list. And I pray on the li people, these people's lists. And I pray that, that each person here would begin to, to see you uh, do something in their life that would help them to be an answer to their own prayer, God. And I pray that you would cause a revival in this place because they begin to see you, we begin to see you do crazy good things in saving people. We love you. Thank you for Christmas. God, we, don't, we know you weren't born on December the 25th. Jesus, we know that. God, but we've set it aside to celebrate the fact that you were born. The fact that you were born, and not in a palace, but in a cave. Not laying on, a, uh, on an incredible bed with thousands of thread count sheets, but on hay. Not to be coddled and adored and worshipped and sitting on a throne so people could bow to you, but to be spit upon, to be gossiped about, to be ridiculed, to be mocked, beaten, tortured, murdered. Thank you for that kind of grace, for that kind of love, for the glory of the Father and for the souls of the people. We love you and praise you and ask today that you would literally do incredibly great things in the lives and through the lives of the people who make up this place, this church. For your glory and your kingdom, in Jesus' name, amen.